listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. If you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 112. Today is our Kingdom Legacy Sunday. It's a huge deal. And if you are new to New Chapel, and statistically many of you are, uh, I want to say this. There is one time a year where we recite some of the great things that God has done over the past year, the past 12 months. We celebrate. I, I have it as a cultural value that we are to stop and celebrate what God did. Some people are just on to the next thing all the time. I want to make sure that we can celebrate what God did and also I want to be able to pave a little bit of a, a couple railroad tracks forward, if you will, on the future that God has for us and some of the vision that he has for all of us. And God, by the way, God has done great things, church, hasn't he? God has moved in our midst. Now, here's the deal. First service, they were a bunch of prunes. I'm just telling you, they were so quiet. And so I need everybody. Everybody look at me. I need your help today. So everybody repeat after me. Preach it, white boy. Sick him, pastor. That's right. I'm looking for all of that today, okay? I need your help in preaching today's message. And, and by the way, on today, Kingdom Legacy, we are going to end today's service by receiving and dedicating an offering to the Lord. And this isn't a surprise. Uh, we've been talking about this for six weeks and letting you know so you could prepare. Most people that are, are going to be giving today have been preparing for this, and it's because of a cultural value here at New Chapel. And here's the cultural value. We don't believe that you should ever give because you feel like you're forced to, that you're being under compulsion to give. We believe that you should hear the vision and have a relationship with Jesus on your own, everybody. Ask him what you're supposed to do and just respond to the Spirit of God. Can I, can I hear an amen on that one? And so it's a preacher white boy. And so it is a cultural value for us to not push on you, to not lean on you. So there's going to be no pressure involved today. And I found this. You can give like like spontaneously. Sometimes it's beautiful. Somebody has a need, it comes up, and a church can just solve it in a minute, and it's beautiful. But the best giving I have found is giving that is pre-decided. Now, if you're in the sound of my voice, and you're saying, hey, Pastor Joe, I don't have anything to give today. Listen, there is no pressure, truly. I know that, that if you could, you would. In the past, you had, and the future you will. I, I got you. And so here's what you get to do. You get to enjoy hearing some of the great milestones that your church has accomplished, and you get to hear some of the vision moving forward. And, and speaking of that, if you're a visitor here today, I can't think of a better Sunday than today to come because you get to hear about a church that loves God and loves you so much that we want to make an influence in our community all around us. Can, can I hear an amen on that? It's a great day to be here. Please know this, this offering that we're going to receive at the end of service is not out of need. In fact, all of our needs are met according to God's riches and glory. We're doing just fine. Uh, I want you to know that I'm not an impulsive leader. I am steady as she goes, and we know how to live within our means, to tighten our belt at times, and we, we're doing fine. What is today about then? Today is about this. We're doing great. God is, God is really blessing the church. What more could we do if? That's what today's about. What could we do if we took another step, if we trusted God for bigger and greater things? That's what it is. I've learned this in my walk with God. You never graduate from faith school. It doesn't matter if you've done great and you've achieved great things. If you're still breathing, God has more for you. And I believe God has done great things in our church, and I believe that his best works have yet to be seen at New Chapel, that our best days are still in front of us. And so we cannot become complacent. The Bible says this in Psalm 112. Those who are righteous will be remembered forever. Several years ago, we opened up the idea that if the Lord tarries, that's kind of Christianese, I'm sorry, I was raised in a more traditional environment, if Jesus doesn't come back in our lifetime to receive the church, in other words, maybe it's in our kids' generation, I think it will come back in our generation, but let's say it doesn't, what legacy are we leaving to the next generation? 
what impact are we making? And how about this? There's legacy for generations after us, but then there's just a church that takes it seriously, and they're leaving a legacy in a community now. And, and the idea is that, that God wants us to be people. If we're going to be the righteous people of God, we're going to do things that are going to make us be remembered forever. And so write this down. This is the idea with legacy. Legacy is what people remember when you're gone. It's not just the inheritance or the stuff. It's, it's wow, they made a difference here. They, they really like carved out a path for us. I'm so grateful that mom and dad made the decisions that they did. I'm so grateful that even in their 30s or 40s, they rededicated and they, they fell in love with Jesus again and they started to take ground. And, and so the legacy is, is what's left over when you're, when you're gone. And we want to be the righteous people of God that leave a godly legacy. Say amen, somebody. And when the Bible talks about giving, it talks about really giving in three main categories. The first is tithes, and, and this is 10% of, of your revenue, and you, you return it, actually, to the house of God, and it's worship to him, and God multiplies. He opens windows of heaven. The second area of giving is, is called offerings, and here's what that looks like. It, it, it looks like you hear about an opportunity, or you hear about a missionary, or you hear about an outreach that we're doing, and you're like, I, I feel like I'm supposed to get behind that. And you rate a check or give some cash, whatever that looks like. And it's as you're led. That's what an offering is. But the third category, Robert Morris would call it extravagant giving. Uh, the Bible would convey it this way, sacrificial offering. And the idea is it's over and above. It is juicy. It is God. This hurts a little bit and kind of feels good at the same time. Like it's, yeah, y'all have that friend that gives you a really good high five, but then you kind of nurse your hand for a little bit. after. It's like that type of offering that you give to God and it's extravagant. And what we do at New Chapel is we give opportunity over the course of a year for the people of God to be able to participate in all three ways. And, and today is that opportunity to give God that extravagant gift, that over and above. And it's because we can't play it safe. It's because God has done great things and, and there would be a tendency, and I would even say at this crossroads in our church, there's a tendency to play it safe and just make it about ourselves. You know, we love that God moves in our church, and he does it throughout the whole year, not just at this time when we kind of tell off about the great things. And, and it's budgeted, and it's planned, and it's predictable. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. In fact, how many of y'all are just glad you're part of a church that's kind of planned out and predictable in some ways, like we have a, we have a plan? But when we come to Kingdom Legacy, it's this challenge, this crossroads that God puts right in front of us, and it's like, hey, are you going to trust me for more? Kingdom Legacy is not your normal offering time where we're like, here's the four ways, and God wants to bless you. It's, it's like we're getting out of the boat. We're trusting God, and we're giving something that's like, oh, my gosh. Like, like, and here's what it feels like. Several times since we planted New Chapel nine and a half years ago, there have been moments where New Chapel stuck its neck out and trusted God. And, and here's what it felt like. God, if you don't come through, I'm going to lose my shirt and I'm going to look dumb and then you're going to look dumb. And so, God, you got to come through because I put my neck out here. And God has always, always, always come through for us. And that's what this is. It's this moment, it's this monument in your family's life, in your spiritual life, where you say, God, I trust you with everything, and I trust you explicitly. Wow. Now, you can see that God is moving at our church. There's, there's no secret. And I've heard people say to me, even last week, they said, boy, Pastor Joe, man, the church is on fire. It is on fire. And here would be the tendency to just guard the flame. I grew up in a small town, and uh, every once in a while, we'd get a brand new restaurant, and it would be really good. And here's what we would do. We'd go there, and we'd be like, don't tell anybody. The hillbillies in White Cloud are going to ruin it for all of us, you know? Don't even let them know about it. And, and so there'd be a tendency for you to say, hey, man, this is a great church. Stuff's happened. Let's not screw it up. God's doing great things. Don't tell anybody about this. And you want to guard the flame. But I'm going to tell you something. If you just guard the flame, you'll lose it. If we don't fuel the fire, if we don't stoke the flames, not only will you not keep what you have, but it won't progress into everything that God has. You think the eating's good right now. You just wait and see what the Lord will do in the next several years. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And so we need to be the people that trust him and not guard the flame and just protect it. We need to be people that spread, spread the flame of God. Hebrews 6 puts it this way, because God sees. God sees everything that we do. God is not unjust, Hebrews 6.10. He will not forget your word. He will not forget. He won't. 
and the love that you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. So legacy is what people remember about you. When you go on, write this down, big deal. Kingdom legacy is what God remembers about you when we're gone. So you'll be up there with him, but the idea stands. Like, what legacy are you making? What statement are you making in your family so God and every devil in hell can see it? This is where I stand. As for me and my household. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? And so that kingdom legacy is massive. We, we need to be the people that make the decision we're going to stand up for a generation that's hurting so badly. We're going to stand up when culture is not slipping. It's slipped. We're going to be people that make a difference. And what's the alternative? We can be like most churches and just talk about outreach but not do it. We can, be, we can be the church that talks about reaching pretty rough people in the community, yet when somebody darkens the door who's not like us, we cast shade on them. We can be people that, that just talk about being church and actually we're just playing church, or we can make a real impact in Grand Rapids. We can be people that are not intimidated, who will not undervalue our part, who know that God has a part for us to play, who are not intimidated. Even though I got a lot of Hollanders in my church, it's not too expensive for you because for God, he paid the greatest price and you'd do anything to see this gospel go forward. We're not going to be too stuck in our ways. We're going to be willing to change along the way and we won't settle for good enough. Boy, the church I grew up in, it was good enough, good enough. Everything's good enough. No, we need to be the people that says, no, God deserves our best and our highest. And people that have not yet heard this message outside of these walls, they deserve our best effort. Amen, somebody? I heard a statistic this week that 4% of churches in America are actually what we would call reproducing or multiplying churches that are strategically thinking about reaching people. Four. Let that sink in. It's no wonder why you go to Target and Target is packed out and you come into church like, where is everybody? It is because 4%, and this is all denominations, not just evangelical, all of them, all together, 4% have a strategy, have a plan in place to actually reach people outside of their doors. And we have to realize that Grand Rapids, maybe you have the perspective in your mind that it's New Jerusalem, that there's a church on every corner. It is not, and it couldn't be the furthest from the truth. It used to be in your parents' and in your grandparents' generation, it was New Jerusalem. It was wonderful. Very clean place. Very orderly place. I'm telling you right now, the stat is this. It is the 37th least reached city in America. We don't have enough churches to keep up with the growth that God wants to bring to this place. And there's over a million people in the metro, especially the triangle of um, Muskegon, Holland, Grand Rapids. There's a million people all the way around. And only 4% of the churches that you see are taking it seriously. And here's why I say all of that. I want to pose a question to you. And when I asked this question to myself, part of it was affirming. Part of it was like, okay, you know what? This is act- we actually are taking ground. And part of it was challenging. Here's the question. Throw it up there, guys. If our church closed today, would our community even know it? A couple years ago, we couldn't say that they would. I think many in our community today would. I think that, 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 that they would be like, oh, no, man, they made an impact. They came by the, the mobile park. They, they, they reached out to us. They, they were packing meals. And... But here's what I want. I want us to be a church that we have such a foot in outreach outside of these four walls that there would be people that, that even are not Christ followers that would have an outcry. Oh, no, not New Chapel. They can't close on our watch because we have such an impact for good in the community. Listen to me, church. Persecution is coming. I watched a video this week of a man baptizing uh, a young disciple, and as he's, as he's doing it, they got those rainbow flags, and they're, they're yelling and screaming and spitting, and they're putting silly string all over him, and the guy's baptizing him. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's not so far off. You thought things could never be like this, like what, two and a half years ago? And I want this city to have to wade through a mountain of good works before they could ever cachet on what we are doing here at church. Amen, somebody? So we need to be a church that makes that type of impact in the community. And, and, and here's the deal. We are part of a miracle. Do you know the average size of a church in America is 70, and that number is dwindling? So when you look around you, and, and first service was packed out way over the 80-20 rule, we, we are growing as a church. It is an exception. God is moving. And you can either say, hey, awesome, circle the wagons. Let's all be the saved ones and stay away from the weirdos. I get how you feel. 
But I think that what God is doing in blessing us is really a sign of what he's calling us to. He wouldn't be blessing us like he is if there wasn't a call for greater influence in the community. We, we have a responsibility to reach out. If we just make it about us four and no more, so to speak, these four walls, we will never be all that God has called us to be. God has more. Amen, somebody? Too many churches, in the name of excellence, focus on polishing and polishing and polishing their church service. And and listen, I don't think we have to make the discernment in between becoming a better and more excellent church and reaching other people, but they don't have excellence. They have perfection. And I'm going to tell you something that New Chapel has that not a lot of others do. We have passion, and passion trumps polish 10 out of 10 times. Amen, somebody? Okay. So it is Kingdom Legacy today. Here's what I want to do. I want to explain what Kingdom Legacy is kind of all about, the three different areas that we emphasize in Kingdom Legacy, and then I'm going to celebrate some of the great milestones that we've accomplished today. So Kingdom Legacy, the first area that we think about with Kingdom Legacy is people. Makes a lot of sense being a church and all, but people, uh, the idea is with Kingdom Legacy, it's all about outreach or making it so we can do outreach more efficiently. So this is events, special initiatives, benevolence and mercy ministry, and leadership development. And so people, the second area of, of Kingdom Legacy is places. And so what we cast vision for last year was this. We, we said we want to upgrade and host dedicated facilities for students, and new kids. And, and so the third area is partnerships. And this is like a partnerships with missionaries and church planning organizations. And that's locally, that's nationally, and it's globally. And, and, and to me, I think of missions, I think like we got to plan a church, we got to plan a church. And so those are the three areas, and we cast vision for all of that. Now, here's what I'm happy to say church, you took ground last year. Like, if I can put it a little bit country, like where we would say it when I grew up, you kicked butt and took names. It was good, okay? But I can't tell you everything that happened. We'd be here for three hours, which I'd like, but, but you got to go live your best life. And so if you go to newchapel.com, write down this, this address, maybe take a picture with your phone, newchapel.com slash kingdom legacy. You can read on there and actually download a PDF that has all the numbers. How many of y'all want to see the numbers? You're like a business person, like show me. You can see what came in, you can see what came out of budget, and you can see the ground that we uh, took with all of it. It's pretty cool stuff. Okay, now this is the part of service where you need to get excited, and I'm going to give you opportunity. So I'm going to put up a big slide, and I'm going to read through it, and at the end, we'll kind of all celebrate each category as we go through. So the first area, I want to tell you that we made an impact through local outreach. What does that look like? It looked like Serve Day 2022 in July. We had a team of people that went out to Bridge Street Ministries and just overhauled their landscaping of their headquarters and really made it a spot where they can do ministry more efficiently. Through Hand to Hand, a local partner, we packed 125 meals for hungry kids. Operation Christmas Child, that's uh, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham. It's this uh, packing of, of a gift, and they send it to all nations of the world, and it's paired with a gospel outreach. And so we packed 200. You guys packed 200 gift boxes, and they are all overseas right now. They've been uh, sent there, but the distribution is going to happen in the next week or so just before Christmas. So cool. Uh, we also packed 200 gift boxes for a local Christmas outreach. And let me just give one story. There's many. But one family, uh, they, they received uh, gifts for all of their kids. And they came as first-time visitors the very next week, a husband and wife, I think it was four kids, and mom and dad lifted their hands to accept Christ, and the kids all accepted Christ on the same day, everybody. So, so God's doing his thing. Um, Easter was, was huge. We, we did our, our outreach for that. The, the fruit of that is 424 people came, and 11 people got saved. And then on Drive Into Freedom, that's the event that we have with Justin Barclay. He preached a great message. By the way, I have it confirmed he's going to be back for this year at Drive Into Freedom. Um, give it up for Mr. Barclay. We had 350 people in attendance. This is on a Sunday that, that most pastors don't even show up at their own churches. I was there. Uh, and we gave away an AR-15. Kidneys. And then six people accepted Christ on that day. Can we give God praise for what God has done through New Chapel? Wow. I also want to let you know that we, we really believe in missions, both domestic missions and foreign. What does that mean? So we give to the ark 
to plant churches in America and all over the world and pastor's friend. I want you to look at the top though. $38,000, over 10% of our church's revenue. And by the way, only $3,950 was given directed towards that. So, I mean, we gave 10 times more than that to missions. More than 10%. You find me a church that does that. I'll eat my hat. $38,000 to the ARC, Pastor's Friend, and other missions endeavors. Now, with Pastor's Friend, that's my father-in-law, Pastor Eric's ministry. In the past year, three new schools were started. 150 students have been provided with books, clothing, and food. Check this out. 197 churches joined a network. Now, let me tell you why that's a big deal. They're in Pakistan. Like, one of the major cities in Pakistan is Islamabad. Like, Islam is bad. Like, it's the name of the city, everybody. It's a Muslim nation. And he's going in there, and he got 197 Christian churches to come together. Now, now think about that. Now they have a voice. Now they have protection, and they can stand against persecution. Huge deal. 200 families were provided with food during a flood uh, uh, issue that they had. Now, they have brickyards there that kind of run like the old... Uh, coal mines back in the day where they have a company store and you have to buy everything with their currency and everything. It's worse than that. And I call them slavery brickyards. And a hundred kids that would have been de facto slaves, how? It puts them in debt and they have to work as children their entire life to pay it off. They had deals negotiated. Pastor Eric went in himself, made friends with the, the owner of that brick company, and 100 kids are able to go free because their debt was paid. Wow. In addition, Pastor Eric has held crusades, several of them with thousands of people. In those crusades, there were salvations, healings, and deliverance. One more time, can we give it up for all that God has done through our missions endeavors? Wow. Now, I believe in reaching the nations, but we have to make sure that we reach our backyard first. And we know that this generation is going through it. And so we knew that this was the year we had to start our first youth group. When we had our first interest meetings on this, we struggled to get like 12 people in a room to talk about doing youth. And here's what eventually happened. We launched Student Culture, our very first uh, youth ministry. The last time that we met, we had 72 people, both teens and leaders, 23 teenagers as first-time visitors, and seven salvations all together. God is moving in the next generation. Amen, somebody? Now, I want to give some ministry milestones because some of Kingdom Legacy goes to just places, things that we're doing here. And so one thing that we have to celebrate is the fact that we opened Chapel Ridge. That's the daycare that occupies the space over that we have new kids in that your children are worshiping in right now. I remember being in church when I was younger. And I would look around. It was a beautiful, all the woodworking, you know, those wood pews, the whole deal, beautiful windows. And I thought, we use this for an hour a week? How many of you are happy that New Chapel's a church that is using their facility seven days a week as good stewards? I think that alone is a big deal. Now, what did we do? Uh, when we opened Chapel Ridge, we expanded the family entrance, knocked down walls that offered more check-in stations, gave more corridors for kids. We opened new kids' classrooms. So our, our old new kids, new kids' church was just on the other side of this wall, just two, three rooms. Now we were able to go over into the daycare area and occupy some of those rooms. We're engaging uh, the next generation of leadership development with an internship. We have three interns that are, they feel called deeply into ministry, and we are investing in them every single week, and they are, are growing by leaps and bounds. We're able now to offer weekly baptisms because we have a mobile baptism tank that, by the way, is also the first warm baptisms we've ever offered at this church. Can't talk about that. Okay. Uh, and then for those nerds or business people in the room, you'll love this. Maybe the rest of you guys just think about Christmas shopping. We sealed the parking lot. We patched the roof and we updated the landscaping. I love that stuff. That's a huge deal. Now that's ministry milestones. Let me give you the most significant milestones of the last year. Here's what it looks like. In groups, we had 98 people. 27 people were water baptized, 23 kids got saved, 14 young people, a total of 101 people gave their life to Christ at New Chapel. Come on, somebody. That's what we want to see. So what do we do with all this? God is moving, and we have already a legacy that's forming at our church. Amen? God is moving in our midst. Now, the next phase of Kingdom Legacy, it kicks off today. 
Like I said, we'll be dedicating that offering towards the end of service today. And it goes all year long. And so we say that we kick it off. But I thought, how unfair, because some people don't even get their bonuses or they haven't budgeted for this. And so we kick it off, but it lasts all year long. And it's, it's really to accomplish the vision that God has for Kingdom Legacy, which is this outreach over and above the budget, over and above what we can currently do. We're doing okay, but we could do more. And so I want to show you a, a little bit of vision for 2023. What does Kingdom Legacy look like? The first area I want to talk about is just with people. And so in short, we want to exceed the outreach events and special initiatives that we've done in the past. And we want to raise that goal from $15,000 to $20,000. How many of y'all think we can do it? I believe that we can. The second area, yeah, why not? The second area that I want to talk about is partnerships. Now, partnerships, those are the local missions, and, and uh, Pastor Eric with Pastor's Friend, ARC, and what we want to do is we want to raise that from uh, $60,000. Actually, I think we had $55,000. We want to raise that ten grand and have a vision to give $65,000 away to world missions. That's partnerships. The third area is the one I'm going to spend maybe the most of our time together talking about today. Again, I can't cover everything in one message, but it is places. And that is this, we need to expand our seating capacity in this auditorium. We need to open up corridors in the family entrance, and we need to upgrade audiovisual lights and much more, and we have a goal out there for $50,000. Now, Pastor Joe, you, you're, you're wanting to do outreach to all the, how does that have anything to do with outreach? God is sending us people to this church. How dare we slap his hand when he's blessing us by not having space for them? Last week, we had every chair that this church owns out. And we were over 93% in attendance second service, and we were well over the 80-20 rule during first service. Last week alone was our largest non-event attendance that we had ever had. God is blessing the church. Let me show it to you in numbers. This will mean something to you. Year over year, from 21 to 2022, the church has grown by 51% in one year. In the last two months, in two months, it's been a 14% increase from the previous part of 2022. God is sending us people. God is sending us families. And so we need to make room. Now, every time that I've ever approached uh, buying this facility or expanding or doing some large remodel event, God has spoke to me the same scripture passage. If you've been around New Chapel for any amount of time, this will feel very familiar. It's an old friend. Uh, It's Isaiah chapter 54. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes for you will spread out to the right and to the left. What's the vision? We need to expand this house. We've expanded to the right. And I'm even believing we might even be expanding more left than we have on the radar. Every time you drive past that, spit holy water on that. I'm just, I'm a gun guy, but they can meet someplace else. I'm just saying. Okay. We need to expand this house. Now, God spoke that scripture to me when we bought this facility. This is the old Rite Aid, everybody. And so what we did was as we built this, we had to do some demolition. We took out drop ceiling. We took up the tiles. And then uh, it's called white boxing. Then we begin to build different walls in here. And one of the things I had in my heart was, what if we did not make this back wall a back wall? What if we made it into a curtain so we could stretch out our tent at some point? The time has come. And so this stage is a mobile stage. Here's what I'm proposing. If you guys want to put up that slide with the auditorium, it'll cost $30,000 to do this. But if you have ever seen this stage, it is T-shaped. There's, there's a little island over here where it kind of goes in, and it made two areas that we could sink in the drums and our keys area. What we'd like to do is this. Cut that T off, and we can actually use it over in kids' ministry, and take this stage and move it all the way flush back with this backdrop. That is not a wall. It's a curtain with a stage set in front of it. Now, that means that we can move even more, but that will make nine feet more in the altar space. We figure in between 40 and 50 more chairs will fit in the room. We say, Pastor, what are you going to do with the drum set? We're getting rid of the drum set. We're going back to hems, everybody. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed singing Rockin' of Ages today with drums because you're going to be singing Rock of Ages without drums here in a second. No, 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 no. We're going to be moving our drum kit behind this screen. There's a ton of space back there. Now, you will see the same amount of that drummer that you see right now. What do I mean? 
we're going to take this stage uh, uh, artifact and we're going to cut it down to about the height of the stage. This thing, this behemoth, will be behind the screen and when the drummer sat, he'll be able to sit down and you'll see him just as much as you see him now, but it will be out of the room. Our keyboard player is going to go over here. Old people, you know what I'm talking about. Glenn Miller had those little things that they play the music behind. So we're going to make another little knee wall over here. It's not going to be like that at all. And, and, and the keyboard player is going to have to sit down so that the head doesn't go over the, the screen. But we're going to move drums and keys there. Everyone else who's in instrumentation and on uh, the singing team can be up here, but it's going to move nine feet back. 40 to 50 chairs are going to be added. Now, this room is very live. It's because of the cement, and I kind of like the appeal of it. But what we need to do is this. If we're going to move this back nine feet, it's going to be a lot more exposed cement, and it's not going to help the acoustics. I've wanted to do this for a while. Here's what it's going to be. About two, three feet from the front of the altar space, we're going to begin carpet tiles, and it will go all through where the seating is, and it'll actually stop about two, three feet from the tech booth. So the front altar area will be still cement. When you walk in, it'll still be cement. But what'll happen is the chairs that are notorious for moving. How many of y'all notice our chairs move all over the place? <laughs> like, I'm an excellence guy, so I kind of go CDO, which is OCD in alphabetical order. When they're moving all over, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Let's all stand, you know, because it's just a lot for me. And so, anyway, having carpet will make it so that the chairs don't move. And it will help with acoustics by having the carpet tiles. Next thing is this. We bought these chairs from a Methodist church that was going under. And we've been incredible stewards of it. They were used for years before we got them. And, and some of you in the room remember some of our work days where we brought you in and we were shampooing the seats and, and we're like, like putting drywall screws into the back hoping to God somebody doesn't sit on them real hard and like poke themselves. And, and, and we've, we've been incredible stewards of these chairs. But even with that being said, if we get new chairs... Uh, you know, just to supplement what we already have, it's going to be a completely different thing, and they won't fit together. It literally won't lock together. It's a different mechanism. Here's what I think that we do. We've been a good steward, but there's no reason to have a poverty mentality. I want to give every one of these chairs away to a church I have in mind that can't afford it, and they'd be delighted to have them. In fact, can we just honor God with it? Is it sound like a good idea? And to purchase chairs, it's, it's going to be like $20,000, $25,000. But we're going to not only have 200, we'll have 350 chairs. We're going to have those little seat back things. There's all kinds of systems that we want to have put in those seat backs. So if somebody gets saved, they can scan a QR code or grab information right out of there. I mean, you know us. We want to do ministry more efficient. And then it ain't going to hurt that it's memory foam. And so uh, anyway, just throwing that out there if anybody wants to bite. And so anyway, so... The, as far as this room as well, uh, these projectors we've had for over five years, to buy new lamps for them is actually more expensive than just buying the updated projector. We need to do that. We'll use these projectors back in youth and kids. And then uh, in addition, uh, when we moved in here, it was, it was pretty Spartan. And so uh, you might notice our track lighting. We had to go every other I-beam. We need to add a full set of lighting on every I-beam and then add some stage lighting. It's not like we're going to have a big update to the backdrop. That's not where we're at, we need room, and we need to be able to do this in a sustainable way where we don't have to think about it for a second. You say, well, Pastor Joe, once we have that and the church starts to grow again, what's going to happen after that? We might have to knock out that wall and go into that hallway. We might have to knock out all of those rooms over there and go from one side to the other, or we might have to go to three services or four. Uh, at the height of one of the churches I was at when they were in full revival, we had two Saturday night and three Sunday morning, and it was a riot at that church. I'm telling you, when God's on the move, it's easy. It's easy work. And so, so that's what we need to do with the auditorium. With the family entrance in that corridor, parents, my hat's off to you. Because you, to check in your younger kids, you have to go through one single door to get into that reception area and then turn and go through another single door. And you all are very kind to each other and, and have learned a lot of uh, decorum, God bless you, to be able to get through. But it's very, it's cumbersome. And as we grow, we can't afford that space. And so what we did, this is a, a picture of the architect, which is a stamp drawing. We're going to take out the whole vestibule that is the daycare vestibule, which is that wall that, with the first single door. We'll take out the office and the wall that has the next single door into it. And what it'll do is make a big, wide corridor that people can be able to get through and also be able to see who's coming. 
Now, the reason why we need to do that is because we need to make space for more classrooms. Now, as far as what that looks like, it means that we're going to take the same carpet tiles that we have in family uh, entrance and spread that all the way down. And then there's some different permit fees, and we have to get dumpsters. I have up there 15000 That right there, I think, is padded a little bit too much. I think I can do that for less than that, but be believing God with me. Next thing is this. I just mentioned it, and that is we need to open up more kids' classrooms. Now, the classrooms that are back there are approved and licensed for the daycare, but they don't have everything that we need to have church. And so in certain rooms, we need to take the drop ceiling out. In other rooms, we need to replace a little bit of drop ceiling, and we need to paint back there. The last time that it was painted back there is long before we ever owned this. It was in 2008. Now, despite the fact that it just looks like Panera in 2008... We're incredible stewards of, of, of the resources God gave us, and so we're constantly doing touch-up paint. And you're thinking, like, you do? It looks that bad, and you still do it? Yeah, right. Your kids are everywhere. And anyway, but when we do touch-up paint back there, it looks like we just took paint through it on the wall because it was painted in 2008. It's chalky old paint. And so what we need to do is protect our asset, paint it back there. Of course, it will look like more this side of the church than what it looks like now, but it'll make it so that we can be a better steward of that area over there. And in addition, our carpet is wearing out back there. Now, it's okay. We can get by right now, but it would be great to be able to have carpet squares like we have on the family entrance spread all the way back into kids' church in all of those rooms. We need to move elementary Elementary is currently over in the family entrance, and then the rest of the kids are over in the far side. We need to move elementary over to the far side with the rest of the younger kids for this reason. The current elementary room needs to become a middle school room. We need a buffer in between kids' church and when they end up coming in here, and we need to be able to hire the person to be able to lead that. And so, with that being said, we need to be able to open up other rooms. That's the third part, open new kids' uh, classrooms. Now... I mentioned our growth, and you saw a 51% increase year over year. Do you know where that puts us? In nine months, we will be running 500 people on average a weekend. That's the average. It means that we will be hitting 500 on a regular basis in no time. We have to make room. It's like that story in the Old Testament when the little widow woman put out the jars and God filled them with oil. If we don't put out spots for people, how do we expect them to come? If it's difficult to come in here and you're fighting to check your kids in, fighting to get out, it's, we have to make it easier and we have to be a good steward of the blessing that is clearly on this church right now. Are you with me, everybody? That's something that we need to do. Okay, okay. What's happening? Our church is growing in depth. It's growing in community. It's growing in new life in Christ. Some people are getting saved and baptized the same day. We're growing in engagement, and we are growing in numbers, and we are not going to be complacent in the midst of it all. But there is a reason why this is happening to us. New Chapel has had a set of values. I would even say a code that we've lived by. And because we've lived by it, it's been, oh, Jim Collins' flywheel. It's been a consistent snowball that started so small and now is picking up avalanche. It's been something that started small and so delicate that if you said it more than a whisper, it would just fade away. But it had to be stewarded. And they are values that matter to us. There's not a lot different that Joe Bevelock was doing from when we launched the church. I'm still wearing my Charlie Browns. I'm still saying I'm still like, amen, somebody. Like I'm still, I'm current. What's different? It's you. And these values have gone into our church and you've stood up and this grassroots thing has made our church grow. But we're adding a lot of people to our rank and file to the glory of God. Now, what I want to do is talk to you about these values, four things that we value here at New Chapel, and it makes it so that we can have this growth and be continuous with it and still grow relationally. Four things, write it down. The first value I want to share is this. It's the value of faith. Now, does that mean what we believe? Of course, we're church, right? But what I'm really talking about there is we need to have faith to see what God has for us in the future. We need to have faith and open our eyes to different possibilities. When I'm talking about having two Saturday night and three Sunday morning services, some of you guys are like, wait a minute. I mean, 9 and 11 is mind-blowing to me. How are we going to do that? We have to open our hearts and our minds and have faith that God can accomplish his perfect will, and, and we might have to do it in an innovative way. And so we need to be people that say, we don't like culture the way that it is, and we're not just going to share memes about it. We're going to do something about it. Okay, Ephesians 2, what does it say in the message? 
God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, and now he's using you, fitting you in with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it. Say that with me, one, two, three. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Now, you listen to me very carefully. The church is not a building. The church is people. It's the gathering of the saints that come together. But this church house is an incredible tool that we need to use. And what we need to do is be people that say, hey, God, we see it. Write that down. It takes faith. We see it. We're opening our eyes, God. We see the need. We see what you're blessing, and we want to get behind it. Number two, got to move on. The second value I want to share with you is sacrifice. In New Chapel, you've been so generous. It's the value of sacrifice. In order to do anything significant, whether it's spiritual or whether it's just in the world, you have to lie something down. In church, we need to be willing to lay down our personal agenda, our comforts, our convenience, in order to do what's right. You know, there's a gravitational pull in our heart towards selfishness, and we want to do it our way and our comfort. We have to be willing to expand our horizons. Like what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. So he's building us as his home. How's he doing it? Through sacrifice. What am I saying? Write it down. We choose it. It has to be a decision. If you don't choose it and you just like, well, I just kind of like it the way that it is. Let's just guard the flame. Let's just sit back and relax. We're going to end up like your old church. Y'all remember going down the basement, that musky smell that they had in there? Lord Almighty, what have they got going on? Somebody turned the water off it. And, and, and nobody's there. You can drive a Mack truck through the church, not hit anybody. If we just sit back and just guard the flame, everybody, we'll flicker out with the best of them. Because it's not about us. We need to be people that do what? Choose it. Write that down. We choose the sacrifice. We'll take the high road to reach people because it's not about us. Do you know I need none of this bougie LED lighting and stuff like that? I was raised in a traditional environment. You can give me an old hymn book, and I'll sing the hymns, and I know the words and you don't, okay? Like, I'm good, but it's not even about me. It's about reaching Grand Rapids, the, 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 the city that has art prize, the, the city that boasts Herman Miller and Steelcase and some of those artistic and creative people in the world. We need to reach them. And so it, it's something we have to choose. Next thing, write it down. It's the value of generosity. It's a value here. The people of this church have been so generous. I've known people and golly, we've done building campaigns and, and, and I'm, I'm putting it out there for people to pledge. And I saw people come up, and I know that they're broke. And they came up with their little envelope, and I read what was inside. And I'm thinking, they can't afford to do this. But I remember Kaya and I sowing into offerings and sacrificially giving early on in our marriage. And I learned this, that you can never outgive God, that he sees everything that we do. And it's a value that we believe that when you're generous, God rewards that. And so for people that are business people or maybe that, that you're in that higher income category, this really is an end-of-year giving opportunity. And by the way, we accept that through the end of the year. It counts. It'll help you with your taxes if you're itemizing. But we don't give because of taxes. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. Love gives. Psalm 65. I want to share this with you because I know that a lot of us are going through economic hardship, or at least surprise. Psalm 65, the Bible says that God crowns the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. That God still wants to bless you in the midst of all of this uncertainty and economic turmoil. He wants to do that in our lives, and it requires generosity. When we were taking pledges to build this building, and and those said people were bringing up their pledges, it, it was very humbling. And like I said, we white boxed this, and then we put up all the metal studs, and, and I call a prayer service. I'm old school, and I called my prayer service, and by the way, we got a ticket from the municipality because we weren't supposed to meet inside a construction zone. And so anyway, whatever. When we build a church, I'm doing it again. But anyway, <laughs> I brought boxes of Sharpie markers, 
And I told the church, I said, listen, I want you to pray and rate your prayers, rate on the studs. I want you to rate them. People prayed for some of you by name before you ever darkened the doors of the church. And some of, uh, some of you, they didn't know you, but God knew you and they were praying for you. And, and so as all of this prayer was happening, it was an amazing thing. And, and I saw one stud and it had a very interesting statement on it. I, I want to read you a Facebook message that I received. Uh, this is what it says. Pastor Joe, I wanted to share this with you today at church, but I don't think I could have kept my composure. The quote on the studs that you showed was written by me. It said, this church saved my life. Go ahead and throw that picture up of, of the stud. This church saved my life. Do you know where it is? It's actually in between the two grays. It's, it's right about where that seam is right there. This church saved my life. It was in a very, I was in a very dark place before coming to New Chapel. I would frequently have suicidal temptations. As a way out of my pain, I would get jealous of people that I'd see on the news that had passed away. I feel I owe a debt of, uh, to the Lord via New Chapel for being the conduit that got me home. This is why I'll put in whatever time or effort is needed for our church. In my mind, it's nothing for me to work so many hours or days in a row knowing that these days I have now likely would not have been possible without the light that was shown to me when I was in such a dark place. You probably think it was just another day on the job. I never think that. You probably think it was just another day on the job when we met, but you significantly impacted me by simply caring about me and seemed so genuine in it. That's what we do. That's this church. That's why we don't choke on generosity because we know what's at stake. Ah, What do we do? It's the only way that we can do it. We give it. Write that down. Legacy people, people that want to be influential, people that want to have an honorable church, we give it. We need to be a church that is doing that. At New Chapel, you need to know something. We weigh every dollar so carefully. We're incredible stewards. We do all of this with three staff people. It's unheard of the ground that we're able to take. I got to move on. Last value that I want to share, there's more. The last value I want to share is the fact that it takes action. That's, That's the simplest way I could put it. Maybe a better adjective would be urgency, and that's something we have. We're not desperate, but we do have an urgency to us. It's a special time in history, and we know that. And we have to leverage every day that we have. You have to forgive me. I read this scripture a lot, but it means more and more to me every year. Ephesians 5.15, the Bible says this, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because Christmas was yesterday. Because the days are evil. They're they're just flying by. The Bible says that your life is a vapor, just there a minute and then it's gone, everybody. And what we have to realize is that this time is going by and there are a lot of churches that have good intentions. They want to do outreach. They talk about reaching the next generation. What do we do? Write it down. We need to do it and we need to do it today. We can't put it off. We can't say in the great by and by. No, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take generosity. It's not going to be comfortable. But we are going to be the church that's for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. We're going to be the church that makes a difference in that way. Amen, somebody? Now, I shared a scripture earlier in the service. Psalm 112. A righteous man will be remembered forever. And that is true. But that's only part of that passage. I want to read all of it for you. Psalm 112, verses 5 and 6. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. Why do I need you to give? Because I need some stability in your life. And the person that trusts God with their finances, you baptized your wallet, you're not going to choke on trusting him with other things he asks you to do. There's a level of stability that comes to your life. You think it's going to cost you reality is God doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. And so you're not going to be shaken when you're generous. And a righteous man will be remembered forever. That's the vision and that's the heart because what we do matters with our life. What we do with our family and how we raise our kids, it matters and it literally becomes our legacy. One last thing and then I want to pray for us. What we do for ourselves, it usually dies with us. But what we do for others lives beyond us. And friends, I think we should leave a kingdom legacy. 
heads bowed, eyes closed just for a minute. We have family business in a moment, but the most important thing that we can do is talk to the person who might be in the sound of my voice and you're hearing about a church that wants to reach out. You're hearing about a church full of love and that's willing to sacrifice. You're hearing about a God of love. Friend, if you don't have a relationship with God, the only way to have a relationship with God is through his only son, Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does that mean? When you call Jesus Lord, you call him boss, it means you're done being the God of your own life. It means you're ready to relent control, put God on the throne of your life. Hey, that relationship, by the way, is strong enough to carry you through eternity. You'll avoid a Christless hell. You'll have eternity in a heaven with God Almighty. But listen to me, that eternal life that you need, the joy and the peace that you need, doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment that you give your life to Jesus. So what I want to do is this. On the perfect day for a visitor, on the perfect day for somebody who maybe is far from God, to hear about a church that loves them and a God that loves them, I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision to make Jesus Lord. And church, I want you to pray with them. When they're making Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, I want them to know that they're not alone. So pray this out loud with me as a declaration of your faith. And if you pray this for the first time, if you mean it, heaven is your home. Pray it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Praise God. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, love you guys. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.